Never be afraid of doing things. And it's a motto that, that still drives me today while running a prescribe, which is like this fake it until you make it. This idea that you can learn on the go. And when we've developed a prescribe as well, we have uh, uh, our first big customer was a TV channel in Spain that needed subtitles made by human in Catalan. When we had them on the call, we were like, of course, we can do it for you. And that project was a disaster, but we learned a lot. Trying to go a step ahead in the unknown and out of your comfort zone, this is where you actually learn things. That's André Bastier, CEO and co-founder of Happy Scribe. Happy Scribe uses AI technology to transcribe audio in over 120 languages. Automatic transcripts will have a wide-ranging impact on multiple industries, from journalism to entertainment. And Happy Scribe is leveraging that power to change how content is made and consumed in the future. In this episode, we talk about learning as you go, how adversity builds resilience, and the reality of working through depression. I'm Maureen Taylor, and this is Think Like a Founder. When you were young, you were always building things, and you built an email server for your family and made a QR code system for all the books in the house. And later on, when you moved to Paris, you had an enlightenment that becoming a founder is really what you wanted to do. So when I was a kid, I was living in the countryside. My sister was much younger than me. So I didn't have a lot of toys, but there was a computer. There were a lot of books. And I was like, okay, how can I create like a QR code system, like in a library for my family to be able to rent book and bring back and everything. Of course, no one was ever used it. It's like the email server, but I was fascinated about the things that computers and, and machines could help me build and create things. When I was in high school, I had some events that kind of brought me away from this. But as soon as I went to do my studies in Paris, I was kind of bored. And one day I have one friend that is telling me like, you should come to that entrepreneur house that was in, in Bastille in the center. And they're doing some talks. And so I go there and I start meeting people that are doing talks every night. And they start telling their stories, what brought them there what they're building and I was like I think I found my crowd I found my people and every single night I was skipping classes every time I had the chance of meeting an entrepreneur listening to their story understanding the challenges that we're facing I started going to these places I was like okay that's actually what I want to do with my life. You had this propensity when you were just a kid. And then in school you kind of got away from it and you found it again in Paris. What happened in school? I think the school system put you in a box in some way. We're not expecting you to create anything. We're not expecting you to build things. We're expecting you to fill an assignment, to answer to some criteria and get a good grade. And so there was this part where I actually didn't have a chance to experiment, to find things that I could build with. And then the other part was that I'd like a very turbulent high school. I was bullied for more than three years. And so I don't think I had the mental space for exploring all these things. So high school sucked. High school sucked. (laughs) (laughs) It's a horrible time (laughs) in a lot of people's lives. So I am very sorry for that. But it seems like you got out of it. 
I would love to come back because I know there was a great article written about some things that you went through that's so great. But I just want to get a little bit more of your history. How did you get from Paris to Dublin? You know, in Europe, we have this Erasmus thing. So like all European students in their second or third year, they go to spend one year abroad in another European country usually. And so I went to Dublin because I needed to practice my English. And there was this little thing as well that I was seeing from the outside that Dublin kind of became one of the main tech hub in Europe. And so I spent one year, two years studying there. And that's actually where we ended up building the company. In the first year in Dublin, I was a bit bored and I was missing what I was living in Paris, seeing all these entrepreneurs, seeing this like magic happening a bit all around. And I started looking for events and I found one that was really interesting, but it was paid event. So like I went to see the guys there and I was like, hello, David, I am a photographer. And I, I saw that no one is taking pictures at your events. I'm pretty sure I could help. It's going to be great for your marketing and everything. And David was like, yeah, really great idea. But the thing behind is that I never took photos of my entire life. I had this old camera that I had brought from France in my suitcase and I spent like the week watching YouTube tutorials and trying to understand a bit how to do it. And, and that brought me to meet a lot of people in Dublin, kind of see the inside of the startup scene, tech scene in Ireland. What a great, as my mother would say, an elaborate ruse to be able to get in there and do it. And what's the most important thing you learned from that experience? For me, it was never be afraid of like doing things. And it's a motto that, that still drives me today while running up the scribe was like this fake it until you make it. This idea that you can learn on the go. Our first big customer was a TV channel in Spain that needed subtitles made by human in Catalan. When we had them on the call, we were like, of course, we can do it for you. And that project was a disaster, but we learned a lot. And my photos at the beginning in Ireland were a disaster, but I learned a lot, not only from actually taking the pictures and I learned it on the go, but as well, like from the people that I was meeting, trying to go a step ahead in the unknown and out of your comfort zone, this is where you actually learn things. Tell me what you think about this. The fake it till you make it with Theranos and the blood testing company, and then a few other mostly tech industry people who've done that and hurt people with it. So everything you just said about going outside of your comfort zone you learned everything you could about photography before you went in there and, and you made pictures. So the interesting thing is it would be great to come up with another expression because the only thing about fake that the tech industry is now getting hit on is they lie. And it's not about lying. It is about outside the comfort zone. Exactly. I think it's more about the personal growth part rather than like the faking part. So. Tying back now to your experience, you're in Dublin, you're getting all this experience, you're putting a company together, people are liking it. How did you find people and start building your team? When we were in Dublin, we had the zero team. It was just Mark and I in our student residence, and that's it. Then we had to move out of Dublin because Dublin is still like a very expensive city. And I went back to my parents' house in Paris. Mark went back to his parents' house in Barcelona. And we would meet 
on a monthly basis, we came back together and we were like, what we're enjoying is not building things, it's building things together. And I know remote is extremely trendy right now. It's not my thing. It's not Mark's thing. What we're passionate about is being surrounded by very smart individuals that love gathering together to build things. And so then we started looking for employees and the first employee was the hardest one because you're kind of asking like a third person to get into the middle of a couple. And that's very complicated. When someone joins a company as a first employee, they're taking a huge risk because there is nothing. There is everything to be built. It's very exciting. So interesting journey from being a kid and then what happened in high school, but then finding in school in Paris and then getting to Dublin, the love of building and then finding somebody that had the same passion as you and dedication to your beautiful efforts that you're making to make everything so wonderful. Uh, to find that person is really important. And then you start to build. It's kind of a traditional way it happens, but the experience itself is incredible. Looking back, I mean, it's painful, it's lonely, it's exciting, but it's, it's extreme. I think when you build a team, you're building a community and it's very hard. We have our mission, we have our values, and you have to think about what's a great community and how does a great community work? What are kind of all the things that make a great culture in a company and a safe culture? One of the things in the notes that says that some of the bullying that you went through in high school actually helped you become more resilient. At least that's my vision of it. I spent three years in high school. I was like in a very popular high school in, in the southwest of France, in the countryside. I was not the person that I think in my high school people were expecting me to see, the guy that goes to play football and go to see the girls. All this stereotype that you can have. I had a very hard time. I had people bullying me for three years, ran in the corridors to like be on my own, to not be disturbed. And I think this made me really resilient because at the same time, while I was in this, in this phase, I was always trying to not to build things, but to do things. I did the training to become a young fireman and I joined like the youth parliament of the region. The only way I could stand was by, okay, Andre, we're going to make it. And later on, that resilience became very useful because the life of an entrepreneur, it's falling, going up again, falling, going up again. This is good advice for anyone who's listening. If you're going through the same thing, what you did, instead of trying to be popular, you found other things to take your time. I mean, being a junior fireman, to be able to look back on it and take from it something that makes you stronger and, and more interesting going forward, even though that's a painful thing. There's all sorts of things that founders go through. They're so extreme. And it's not everybody the same thing. There's not a pattern to the personality, except for the extreme. So you had this great big, huge offsite. You're working with all your pals and you just clicked off. What happened? Every year I organize this big offsite for the entire team and I get everyone together. And this event for me is like, is, is one of the important block of the culture. We arrive, we get the car and we get to the house and everyone goes to have a beer, some drinks. And I go to my room and I fall asleep. 
and I wake up at 11 a.m. Impossible to like wake up from an alarm. And the next three, four days are like this. I am sleeping 13, 14 hours a night. I'm just not doing well. And I went to do a therapy and, and it took me a bit of time and to like close the computer for a month, which was not easy. And that's where I was very lucky to have a co-founder by my side that completely understood the problem. And, and I have so much admiration for anyone being a solo entrepreneur because we all have our ups and downs. When you have a co-founder, you, you can support each other and tell each other when you're not at your best. And this whole depression started much before this specific offsite. Go on a weekend with some friends. I would just like either start crying or feeling very down or depressed, but not feeling great. And then the next Monday, I would get to the office. We do something amazing. I would get my shot of adrenaline and I'd be ready to go for another week. And this was like kind of a loop I was in for multiple months before my body was like, hold on, you forgot, you're resilient, but I'm not. So this is the point that resilience, although a positive thing, everything has the balance. There's an expression that actually influenced me. It's called an arsonist firefighter. So you start a fire to be able to put it out which I think is such a dramatic way of how to think about not having to have everything happen that way. Anyway, you learned from it. And what difference does it make in your behavior? Because you can't change your personality. You're always going to be like that, but it doesn't have to go to that spike of exhaustion or high. I don't know. What have you learned from it? What I learned is that there is some moments where I get too many things on my brain. And that's a moment where I start being slower, I have a hard time taking decisions. And now that's something that I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm taking two days off and I just take the time to kind of reflect on everything that happened in the last two weeks. Write down all the things that are in my mind and trying to have a plan for the coming days. The other learning is that I didn't want anyone to experience this in my team. Because I think it's not easy, but it's not impossible to detect it before and, and being aware of what's going on. And so we have this, this really cool company in, in Barcelona called Oliva Health, where we actually can give like therapy on demand, basically. So we pay a fixed price per employee and any employee can use the platform. They're doing it in a very nice way because they have like care people that will really like try to find the right therapist for the right person. I was lucky because when I did my depression, I had a couple of entrepreneur friends and they were like, got to see that therapist. She did a lot of entrepreneur. She's great, but it's not easy. And so we implemented it and I spoke completely openly about it. When you said that, I thought it is so important to be transparent without being stupid, but to be transparent about your experience, because as a leader, first of all, it's easier to be honest about what's going on instead of making stuff up because that is a whole nother thing, right? That just makes you crazy. It's so amazing to learn how to be responsible for your own health and that to be happy, to be productive, to be a member of a community, you do have to take care of yourself. And then also the upside is it makes a better community, which makes a more successful group of people that are in business together. 
When you think back, remember there's a kid listening to this that has an itch that he or she or they can't help but scratch. Maybe other people in high school might be being mean to them too. When you think of that person, what advice would you give? To try to meet people that want also to build things. It's it's not easy, but I think the internet brings you a ton of possibility. Trying to find like something that you're passionate about and building things doesn't need necessarily mean rising codes, you know, like it can be writing a blog and writing articles and trying to contact people. And maybe the second piece of advice is like, make sure that you're exposed to as much different mindset, different people that are building things in different way and try to learn as much as you can from it. What's the best advice you ever got from somebody that you'll never forget? Be yourself. Be your true self in the sense of accepting yourself. You cannot build things. You cannot be at your best at work, in your personal life, if you don't accept who you want to be and who you are. Something changed a lot in my way of building up Scribe is when I started doing my coming out. Before, I was like very blocked on myself and like, I'm not really like, open about everything and that's when I received that advice is like you're not being at 100% who you want to be that's Andre Bastier CEO and co-founder of Happy Scribe Happy Scribe is an online software company that's speeding up the transcription process using automatic speech recognition engines with up to 99% accuracy in over 120 languages Happy Scribe helps everyone from journalists to researchers leverage the power of transcription. For more information, you can visit happyscribe.com. I'm Maureen Taylor. Thanks for listening. Series producer is Mike Sullivan. Sound design by Mark Reed. Content and scripting by Jacelyn Drown and Catherine Hardy. Production coordinator is Natasha Thomas. Thanks also to Selena Persiani-Shell, John Hughes, and Ren Barrett.